Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. Isaiah chapter 40, 43, actually, as you turn to Isaiah chapter 43, um, I want you to see what's taking place before we read the scripture. The nation of Israel has a great rich history. They are, uh, they've always been God's people and God's always shown up for them. Uh, whether it was coming out of Egypt, whether it was taking over the promised land, they, always, they have a rich history of the presence of God over their lives. But because of their disobedience, they end up in, in uh, where another nation has come and brought them into bondage, taken them into captivity. And it's while they're in captivity that Isaiah prophesies a promise to them that they're going to be released and God's blessing is going to follow them. Listen, whenever, whenever, how many of you know that uh, as parents, how many parents are in the house? How many of you enjoy disciplining your children? Don't raise your hands. <laughs> you know, my dad always used to sit me down before he would spank me or, or discipline me. And he always opened up with this. This is hurting me more than it's going to hurt you. I don't think there's a kid that ever believed that. It wasn't until I became a parent that I found myself how much I hated to discipline my children and how much it hurt to put them, uh, whether whether it was grounding or whatever, because it's always a lot of pressure on you. When you do that to them, it changes your life, too. You have to take them food to their room if they're locked up in solitary confinement. Uh, if they're grounded from the television or things like that. You, you have to change your life as well. The things that you want to do begin to get affected as well. God always brought a promise with every discipline he brought to his people. God always had a promise that was connected to the discipline. He never just corrected them. He always brought a blessing to go along with it. Now I want to take you somewhere with this. On verse 18 it says this. Do not remember the things that happened before. Do not think about the things of the past. Verse 19, see, I will do a new thing. Someone say new thing. thing. It will begin happening when? Now. Now. Come on, somebody. Will you not know about it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Pray with me now. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, Omaha. Appreciate it. I want you to know memories have a function, okay? Memories serve their purpose. How many have some good memories in your life? How many have some bad memories? How many have some things you'd like to forget? How many have ever done anything you'd like to forget about? (laughs) Memories have a function, but sometimes our memories can become a hindrance to creating new experiences. Uh, I, I, I... Remember, up to just recently, whenever we would go out to eat, whether it was going to Taco Bell, Subway, or wherever, I always made sure there was no tomatoes in my sandwich, my tacos, or whatever. I didn't like tomatoes. I would eat pizza. I would eat uh, spaghetti and things like that, but I would not have fresh tomatoes in anything I ate. And I tried to figure out why. Where, Where did this come from? Where did this dislike of tomatoes come from? And I remember we, when we were growing up, we grew up over here on the east side on a, on a street by the name of Sunny Slope. 
It's not too far away from here. And on Sunny Slope, that was my grandmother's house. My dad had my grandmother take move into his house later. And if you see those properties, you got a small house up front and a long lot. The lots are really long. You can build a whole other house on the back part. So they would always they would always plant these huge gardens back there. And a couple doors down from our house, the, the older kids were having a tomato fight. They were just chucking these, these tomatoes. They were throwing them. And I just happened to walk into the backyard. I was about three or four years old when it happened. Walked into the backyard and got nailed in the face with the tomato. Needless to say, I didn't like tomatoes after that. I don't know if it was subconsciously or what, but that's the only thing that I could think of that said that, that got me to the point where I never liked fresh tomatoes. It's, it wasn't until recently that we started our garden that I started eating tomatoes because we got a bunch of them now. And I grew them, and I'm proud of them, and so I'm eating them. <laughs> but I want you to understand that sometimes your memories will get in the way of your blessings, of new experiences. You have a bad experience with one boyfriend. You won't let the next guy have a chance to get to know you. You have a bad experience in one company. You refuse to go to another company. You have a bad experience in a marriage. You know you're afraid to get married again because we allow sometimes experiences from the past to affect what happens in our future. Someone say amen. So in our pursuit of fame, of fortune, of family, of purpose, of love, in our pursuit of prosperity and acceptance, relationships or self-awareness, as we're all trying to reach new levels in our lives, many times it's our memories that hold us back. But I want you to know that not only do our memories serve a function, our memories sometimes can hold us back. And so I want you to see what takes place here. Israel has a rich history. They've come from deliverance into the promised land. And what it seemed, now that they're sitting in bondage, it seems like their glory days were behind them. And some of you, there, there's someone here this morning that needs to hear this. You think your best days are behind you. I'm here to tell you that your best days are in front of you. Say it again, Pastor. Your best days are in front of you. You have yet to even begin to see the greatness that God wants to bring about in your life. And so good or bad, there comes a time in our life that we have to stop remembering and giving attention to things of the past. There comes a point in your life, no matter what the victory was or whether it was bad or whether it was good, there comes a point in your life that you have to be able to move on. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so you need to recognize that if you want to move into new things, you have to forget some things of your past. How many, how many have ever heard this? You notice that, that little rectangle thing on your, as you're driving in your car up to the upper right-hand corner in the middle of the car? What's it called? Rearview mirror. Have you ever noticed that the rearview mirror is, bigger, is smaller than the windshield? Why is that? Because what's in front of you is more important than what's behind you. Where you're driving to is more important than the things that you've passed in life. And many times we get so caught up in our rearview mirror that we're not seeing what God has right in front of us. I want to encourage you today that before we can move on, before we can step into new things, we have to be able to recognize and let go of some things of our past. Look what Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 says. Do not remember the things that have happened before. Do not think about the things of the past. So for him to say, don't remember, how many of you understand this, that memory is a choice? 
Let me try this side. Memory is a choice. Okay? You choose to remember. Memory is an act of the will. You don't just remember things on accident. You make a choice to focus in. Memory is a result of focus. It's a result of meditation. It's the result of energy that you're giving to a certain activity or something in your life. And whenever we choose to remember something, it's because we have focused in on that thing. And what, what, what he's telling us is this. Everyone say remember. That word remember in the Hebrew means this. Remembrance to a Hebrew, to, to the Jew, was not just an act of recognition. It was an act of recollection. Now, now follow me. It's not just, it's not just a remembering something that happened. It wasn't just a recollection, okay, that this is, a, I, I remember something that took place in the past. It was actually giving honor. It was actually giving recognition. It was actually giving attention to something that happened in your past. So the more we think about something, the more attention, more value, the more power we give to it. You can never move on in the things that God has in your life when you're so focused in on the things that have happened in your life. And the first step for you and I to go on to a new thing that God has for our lives is you got to forget. You have to have a bad memory when it comes to your past. You got to start, whether it was good or bad, you got to forget. To remember also means to call to mind the past events which affect our present state, thoughts, or actions. How many of you have ever just, you just felt like you were in a bad mood? Just all of it, just, uh, you, you walk into a store or something, all of a sudden, boom, you got this, you got, got an attitude, you're, you're, you're angry, you're touchy, you're, you're, you start finding yourself getting really irritable. Many times it's because we've had a past experience and it's a smell, it's an area, it's a person, it's a statement that brings back that memory to us. And all of a sudden we reverberate, even though this thing happened to us 20, 30, 40 years ago, well, all of a sudden what happened all those years ago, those attitudes, those thoughts, and those actions now bring, are brought to our our present state, and, and you know whether not to get too graphic or personal, but for some, you, you're afraid of the dark. You walk into a dark place, and or something because something happened that was bad in the dark, and all of a sudden, those emotions, those feelings, come right back once again. I need you to understand that we have to start not allowing our memory to take a hold of us, but we got to start letting go of memory sometimes. Amen. Somebody say Amen. See, our memory, and I, I want you to, if, you, if you're taking notes, our memory affects our productivity. Your memory will affect your productivity. But what do I mean by that? How many of you have ever got in an argument with your spouse, then you go to work, and you're at the computer, your fingers are moving, but you're still back in the bedroom arguing with your husband? Right? Your, your spell check's going crazy. Every, everything has red under, under it. Or you're, you're, you're dealing, you know, you just got into, into an argument or you're dealing with something with your kids. Then you go to work and you're still, you're still dealing with your kids. You're not even in the moment. Someone has a conversation with you. You're not even there in that present. Because memory affects our productivity. Memory will affect the things you do in the now. So if that experience, no matter if it was in the past, it if it affects you today, it has the ability to steal your effectiveness as well. 
That's why memory is so powerful. It will place a ceiling on your capacity. When you remember things, it'll hold you back and you won't be able to operate at a higher level. Each and every one of you was created in the image of God, not just to settle, not just to get by. That's why every one of us, you need to recognize you were created to get to new levels. You were fashioned to reach for new levels, to climb higher mountains, to accomplish greater goals. And that's why when we find ourselves just getting comfortable in life, we start getting antsy. We start getting uncomfortable. The comfort equals uncomfortable when you've been created to do something great. I love what Dr. Samuel Rodriguez says. He says, not only are we prone to get stuck in past failures, but we are more likely to get stuck in past successes. Now, now, if you've ever worked out and you're trying to lose weight, what's the first thing you do when you lose that first 10 pounds? <laughs> Got to get my cheat meal in. Go <laughs> run, to, run to Baskin Robbins and hook up. Hook up a little something. And all of a sudden, we, we end up, we stop doing the very thing that got us to the point to victory. And so it's not just about your past failures, it's your past successes that we have to move on as well. I got a word for you this morning. I got a prophetic word over you, your family, over your household, over your job, your career, over your children. I got two simple words for your life right now. Move on. Move on. Tell your neighbor, move on. See, Israel, now I need you to see this. Israel had such a great history, but they glorified in their history so much that they stopped making it. When we get so enamored with our history, we stop making history in the present. We need to recognize something. Just because you got a great history, you got to stay with it. You got to keep, re- keep reaching for new levels. We got to work at our marriages, work with our children, build our communities, build your career, uh, establish your businesses. It's valuable, it's vital. You can't just work for a little while and then say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm cruising the rest of the way. We got a responsibility. God isn't telling us, and listen closely, God's not telling us to forget what He's done but to focus in on what he's going to do. Now, come on, somebody say amen. amen. See, right, right now, our, our past should, should serve as a reminder of God's goodness, not a hindrance to it. And what's a trip is that some of us, we look at how good God's been to us in the past, and then we just stop. And when things get rough in our lives, we, we, instead of looking back at the past and it building faith for the future, We just get mad that things are bad and saying, God met me back there. Why isn't he doing anything right now? And we get angry. And the past ends up hindering us from moving on instead of up building faith for the future in our lives. Everyone say new thing. If you want a new thing in your life, number one, the first thing we got to do is we got we have to recognize, forget yesterday. You got to forget the things that happened yesterday. Listen, you get a victory, you got 48 hours to celebrate. After 48 hours, let it go. Likewise, if you blow it, you got 48 hours to deal with it. After 48 hours, let it go. We're carrying way too much baggage of yesterday. I can't do nothing about my failure 48 hours ago. I can't change what I messed up yesterday. I can't change the mess-ups I did the days before that. But if I turn around and get my focus straight, I can change the things I do today. 
Okay, you got kicked out of school. Okay, you lost your job. Okay, they fired you from your job. Okay, you're, that person wants to get out of the relationship. All right, you can't change yesterday, but I can affect what I'm going to do right now. I've always said you, you might not be responsible for, what you're going, for, for where you're at right now, but you are responsible if you stay there. Might not be your fault for where you're at, but if you stay there, that's your fault. Secondly, open your eyes. Everyone say, open your eyes. In fact, tell the person next to you that might be falling asleep right now to open your eyes. Okay, Charlie? See what verse 19 says. It says, see. Everyone say, see. I want you to just see and behold. That word see and behold emphasizes what's coming after, what's coming towards us. Look and recognize what is here. And too many times we are so focused in on the past that we're missing out on what God is doing right in front of us. The things God's about to do in front of you. You're missing out because you're looking back that you're so preoccupied with the failures of yesterday. You're missing out on what God is doing today. Vision is vital. Someone say vital. It's to a new thing in your life. You have to have vision. I want to know, do you have vision for your marriage? Do you have vision for your business? Do you have vision for your future? Do you have a vision for your career? Do you have a vision for your family? What's your vision? you got to sit down. Some of us make, spend more time planning our vacations than we plan our lives. What's your vision? What's your plan for your kids? What's your plan for your family? What is it you want to see your kids accomplish? What schools do you want to send them to? What is your vision? Look what Proverbs 29, 18 says. We've heard it this way. We've heard the statement that without vision, my people perish. How many have heard that scripture before? Where there is no vision, the people perish. The same scripture. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run around wild. Now, Now follow me on this. I need you to see something here. Another version puts it this way. Where there is no vision, the people run around like wild horses. How do I know you have no vision for your marriage? Is when the husband's checking out other ladies. Because if I have a vision for my marriage, I'm going to stay in my lane. You have a vision for your education? And everyone's going to the beach and you have a paper that needs to get done? That vision's going to keep you in your lane. And you're going to get that thing done. If you have a vision for your business, that while everyone else is hanging out and doing something, you're building your career. Why? Because I'm staying in my lane. Vision gives me the ability to focus in on a goal and go after that goal. It's not that we're not... It's not that you're not talented enough or gifted enough to accomplish anything. It's just that you're not running after anything. And one of the problems I have with retirement is because it doesn't include purpose. Many people are running after retirement. Can't wait till I retire. You don't retire from purpose. When you have a purpose in your life, you don't retire from purpose. Whether you're working a, a job or not, you don't retire from purpose. No, you, as long as you, you've heard me say, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And whenever we lose our purpose, then we've lost our pulse. You, you, you're just, you might not have died, but you're, you're waiting just to get buried. Because the moment we lose our purpose, we lose our function. I want to challenge you. Go for retirement. 
But don't go for, don't lose your purpose. Always focus in on what your purpose is. Someone say amen. amen. Helen Keller put it this way. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. That's powerful. Many of us have eyes, but we can't see. All we see is the problems that are in front of us. We can't see the blessings that are beyond us. I, I, I just want to challenge you right now. Open your eyes. Come on. Open your eyes. Dad, open your eyes to the blessing you have right now. Mom, open the eyes to the blessing that you got right now. Kids, open your eyes to where you're at right now, the blessings that you have. Open your eyes. Listen, listen to me very carefully. I want, some of us are complaining about our situation so much. Do you realize that someone else would kill for the hand that you've been dealt? All we do is complain about our situation, complain about our circumstance, complain about where we're at. But someone else would love to have the, car, the hand of cards that you've been dealt. And you know what they'll do? Is they'll take the deck of cards, they'll take the hand that you've been dealt and they'll win with it. They'll take that wife, the wife that you complain about, and they'll, they'll honor her, they'll love her, they'll turn her into an amazing woman. You'll look at her and think, man, well, where was that lady when I had her? It's because of the fact that that person will value, that person will pour into and take the very thing that you couldn't win with, they could take it and do something great with. There's someone that will take your job right now and do a great job with the job that you hate so much. There's someone that will take your kids and they will pour into your kids because they can't have kids. They can't wait to have kids. They're praying to have kids. They would love to have the problem that you complain about called your children. Yet we're complaining about things. I, my husband this, my wife that, my kids this. There are people that can take the, the hand of cards that you've been dealt in life and they could win with it right now. You know what I've made a decision to do when I heard that? Ain't nobody winning with my cards. Mm-mm. Ain't nobody winning with my wife. I got that taken care of. Ain't nobody winning with my kids. I'm taking care of that. No one's winning with my, my, with my church. I'm going to take care of that. No one's winning with my city. I'm taking care of that. Oh, come on, somebody. You got to get this attitude. Ain't nobody taking my man. I'm taking care of him. Nobody's taking my job. I'm taking care of that. No one's taking my children. I'm taking care of that. Why? Well, you got to open your eyes. We have to have vision. Somebody say amen. amen. New thing. Everyone say forget yesterday. Forget. Open your eyes. The third thing I want you to recognize is this, is God is still creating. God is still creating. God didn't stop creating after Genesis chapter 1. God is still creating today. He says in verse 19, see, I will do a new thing, and it will begin happening now. God is still creating. And so I want you to take a look at this word doing. Everyone say doing. The word of God in the Hebrew means this, to make or to execute or to prepare. God's still working, man. God's still making things happen. God's not just sitting on the throne, chilling, drinking a soda. God is working. God is taking care of business. Jesus said, my father is still working to this day. I want you to recognize this word's been used over 2,000 times in the Old Testament showing God's pretty busy. 
Every day, God's doing something. Every day, God's making something happen. And it's always used to describe God's ability. And I want you to know, God is still working in your life. God is still creating in your marriage, still creating in your family, still creating in your community. God is still working on your behalf. And I don't know about you, that whenever I begin to think things are getting out of control, it does this man's heart good to know that my God is still working on my behalf. That when I can't see anything happening in the natural, my God is still creating. My God is still doing. My God is still making things happen. I need you to hear me this morning. God is still working on your behalf. God is still making things happen. You might not see it behind the scenes, but God is making something happen. And when you don't see anything happen, no, my God is busy creating, moving, shaking. And when God's God's word gets quiet in your life, One thing I found was this. When God said, let there be light, he went silent and created light. When you don't hear the voice of God in your life, that's because he's busy bringing about the thing that he spoke in your life to begin with. Somebody say amen. So forget yesterday. Everyone say forget yesterday. Open your eyes. God is still creating a new thing. Someone say new thing. Come on, say it with passion, new thing. Say it like you mean it, new thing. Say it with attitude, new thing. (laughs) Why is that? Because I need you to understand that God's not going to take an old beaten up, torn down, something that wheels were falling off, rusted out. He's not going to just take an old beat up car and then put an old paint job on it, put, re- restore the engine and everything. When God says new thing, he's talking about something that's never been created, never existed before, never was around before. God is going to do something brand new. Now, you know what? The problem with the brand new thing is that when you get it, you're like, you don't recognize it. Wait, wait a minute. This is never... Uh, what, what's going on here? Why? When you don't recognize it, it's a new thing. If it came and you're like, oh, okay, this is what he's doing. It would be something you recognize because it's been done before. Many times you're sitting there wondering, man, what is God doing? God, where are you? Not realizing that that very thing you're complaining about is the new thing he's bringing about. I don't want the same old thing. I don't, I, she definitely doesn't want that same old Dan. Because I, the, my old me isn't very nice. I want the new, I want what God has for my life. I don't know about you, I want everything God has planned for my life. When I stand before God on judgment day, I want to know that I got everything that God intended for me to have. I don't want there to be, hey, what's all that stuff behind you? Oh, this is the stuff I had, I was going to give to you, but because you were stuck in your past, because you had no vision, because you were complaining all the time, because you didn't want to change, you wanted the old stuff, I, this is all the stuff I had for you, but I had to hold on to it, and it's just sitting here. Some of you ladies are going to walk up there. Who's that dude back there? Jesus. Oh, that, that's the husband I had for you, but you didn't wait. <laughs> Who are them kids? Those, are, those look like nice kids. That would have been your kids if you would have waited. 
I'm sorry. I just thought. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you know the scripture, for those of you that have been around the block a few times spiritually. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old is gone, and the new is here. I, I, I hang my life on this scripture. That whenever the old me starts coming up, wait a minute, you're dead, dude. God, God promised me a new thing. That if I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation. Now the key is this, that therefore if anyone is what? Anyone is, anyone is in. Now this, this is the key. Because when I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. Now you cannot be in Christ on Sunday morning and out of Christ on Monday night. Saturday night, Sunday morning. Friday night, Sunday morning. It doesn't work because when you're out of Christ, Christ is out of you. And so the old you comes back when you're no longer in Christ. But when I'm in Christ, a new creation is here. The old is gone and the new has come. And it, it, it comes, and when, as long as I'm in Christ, as long as I'm connected to Christ, it didn't say in church, don't get me wrong, but it says as long as you are in Christ. That means wherever I go, Christ is in me, and I'm in him. That when I'm at the store, Christ is in me, and I'm in him. When I'm driving down the highway, Christ is in me, and I'm in him. You are part of Christ. Christ isn't what you do on Sunday morning. It's not what you do on Wednesday night. Christ is who's in you. I carry him wherever I go. That word new means never existed before. So I need you to understand it's time to stop comparing what God is doing to what God has done. Because what God does, you might not recognize and you might end up missing it. He says this as we close. Omaha, if you would help me. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. New thing. Number one, you got to forget yesterday. Number two, got to open your eyes. Number three, remember God is still creating. Number four, God's doing a new thing. And number five, I love this, shift atmospheres. This, this one's bad. Let's read that scripture again. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What makes a desert? Lack of water. What else is there? Sand. It's hot. You normally don't go to a very cold, it's not very, usually we go to where there's a cold desert all the time. It might be cold at night, but what kind of constitutes a desert is the heat, the sand, and lack of growth. This is so cool because God loves you so much that God will change ecosystems for you. Are you following me? God will change the laws of nature. He loves you so much. God will take the, 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 the geographical landscape of a, of a desert. And he says, you know what? I'll, I'll cause a river to come right through there. What does water do to a desert? Brings what? Growth. Things grow. Brings life. You know, we just started gardening and 
one thing I noticed is this, is that it's been an incredibly hot summer in the Bay Area. I don't remember us having a summer, like even last year, we didn't start getting real, real heat until July, August. But man, since June, we've had some hot days here in the Bay. And so I'm, I'm watering my garden like crazy. I come out and it's dried up again, watering it like crazy, because water brings life. And there's plants that are, that are, that are just, they're, they're just like this. I mean, the leaves are down, everything, everything, it's just, and as soon as you put water on it, go inside, come back up, and that plant that was like this, all of a sudden, <laughs> many of you are trying to survive in a desert. But God says, listen, in the desert you've been going through, where you've been dried out, where you've been tired out, and some of you, you feel like you've been dragging in a desert. Your, your spirit is thirsty. You've been crawling around trying to get somewhere, and you just feel like all I'm getting is lost. I'm more, I'm more tired. I'm, I'm, I'm weary. God, I don't know how long I can go anymore on this. You just keep going forward, and it feels like you're getting nowhere, and all you see is sand in front of you. God's promising, listen, I love you so much. I believe in you so much. That when I breathed breath into you, I saw potential. When I formed you, I saw purpose. And I'm going to do whatever I can to bring out the very best in your life. That I will take the desert, the Mojave deserts of life, and I will turn it into Hawaii. I'll bring in a waterfall. I'll bring in palm trees. I'll change the total landscape in order to bring your potential, your purpose to flourishing. God is not done with you yet. God will change that desert mentality. He'll change that desert marriage, that desert job, that desert relationship. God will bring a river in the midst of your struggle. He'll change it. That's how much he loves you. He loves you to the point that he will change ecosystems for your benefit. He'll suspend the laws of nature because he loves you. He can make the blind eyes see, the deaf person hear, the lame person walk. He can cause the dead to rise up. He will cause rivers in your desert. If you're dried out right now, I want you to know God's about to bring the rain. You're about to get a river. Some of you are about to get beachfront property here in a moment. You've been feeling like you've been barely surviving. You're about to get beachfront property. You're going to have a river run th runs through it. You're about to experience a shift. I love what he says. You're going to have a way in the, in the wilderness. The wilderness was always symbolic of where the, the thugs hung, hung out, where the robbers hung out, where the wild animals hung out. It was there that Jesus went and he was tested for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus went to the wilderness. He went on Satan's turf to take him on. That's where John the Baptist's ministry took place was out there. That's where Jesus went in the wilderness and ministered. It was a place where, where, where you would get lost. It was a place you went to get lost. And here God is saying this, in the midst of your tough times in life, in the wilderness, I'm going to make a road right through it. I'm going to make safe passage through the problems of your life. I'm going to give you a road that you're not going to have to fight your way through it. All you're going to have to just stay on the path. Some of you right now, the word of the Lord to you right now is simply this. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. Don't give up. God's doing a new thing. God's about to bless you. God's about to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings upon your life. God's about to bring a shaking, miracles, and breakthrough upon you. Just don't give up. Just don't give up. So listen, every one of us at one time or another wants to give up. 
Only successful people can quit. A bum can't quit. The very fact that you want to quit means that you're successful. The very fact that you want to give up means that you have something to give up from. And it's okay to want to give up as long as you don't. Do you want to quit that marriage? It's all right. Get mad, get angry, say, I quit, I'm out. Go ahead. But when you're done, get up and get back into it, all right? Because it's okay to want to quit as long as you don't. We all want to quit. I want to quit every Sunday afternoon. After I get done preaching, I'm just like, man, you suck today. That was terrible. That was, why do you even preach? Why do you even do that? Oh, man, forget it. I'm not, I'm not going back to church. And then by Monday afternoon, I'm feeling a little better. Wednesday, kind of coming out of the funk. Thursday, God, I need a word because I got to preach on Sunday. <laughs> we all go through it. We all go through times that we want to quit. But the very fact that you have something to quit from means you're successful. This scripture is very important to me. Because it's the word that God gave to Bishop and I years ago in Manteca. We were about to give up. We were about to shut down the church in Manteca. We felt things were struggling. We were having a hard time to get make things happen. We thought about shutting down the church, but then Bishop just gave us. It's funny, I tell my wife he was going to trade me to another church here in San Jose for a box of tithing envelopes. He had already called another pastor here in town and said, Hey, you know, I got a youth pastor that uh, we're going to shut the church down. He's going to need a job. Would you be interested in hiring him? And they said, Yeah, we'll, we'll take him. I said, Dude, you, you got rid of me without talking to me first? I mean, how, how are you? Then he says this, but before we close the church, let's just get a victory under our belt. Let's just get a victory, and then we'll shut the church down, and we'll move on. Okay. So we get one victory. Church was only about 25 people at the time. We broke 50. We're like, wow, that was cool, man. Double the church. 50 people in church. We're going to shut it down? No, no, one more victory. One more victory, and then we'll shut down. Then a hundred. After a hundred, we'll be shutting down. No, well, one fifty. Let's go for one fifty and bro- broke one fifty. Two hundred. Grew so much, we had to move out of the church, go to a school. From the school, we continued to grow. Bought a property. From there, continued to grow till we built a new property out there that now holds twenty five hundred people. Church has grown. Church is blessing areas, doing great things. All on the principle of just one more win because I will do a new thing was the thing we held on to was the promise and I want to tell you right now you're ready to give up just one victory you want to give up on being a father a husband a wife a mother a, 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 a career person go ahead you give up just get one, one, one more win before you give up just get one more win after you get that win then we'll talk about if you still feel like giving up just got to get some wins under our belt and know that God's doing a new thing. Bow your heads with us this morning. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at cwcbayarea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook 
at facebook.com forward slash CWC Bay Area.